Well, we're finishing up this series today called Missing Peace, and if you're not caught up, you can check out all the previous episodes on our website, anchoredhope.church, or YouTube, or Facebook. But, you know, we've talked about internal peace, we've talked about external peace, peace with other people. Uh, Last week, uh, we we talked about a different element of peace when it comes to waiting on God. But this week, I want to talk to about another area that I feel like causes us to lose peace. And, and that's, that's losing, right? Have you ever lost at something or lost something? Losing will take away your peace. Um, I, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a big gamer. I'm a big gamer, and especially during the pandemic, I had kind of like put it away a little bit. And then during the pandemic, I got like really like deep dive into gaming. Like I actually have a gaming streaming uh, channel now. It's called Pastor Punk Gaming if you want to look me up, Okay. I'm huge in the Philippines, all right? My wife's been making fun of me, and I had a great week this week. I got a ton of viewers from the Philippines and actually made $10. So, yeah, I know, right? The ministry, I'm done with America. The Philippines is where I'm going next. And I think what it is is they're the same height as me. But anyway, uh, that was a bad joke. That wasn't in my thing. Anyway, uh, anyway, but I mean, we have this thing in the gaming community. We call it rage quitting. Have you ever heard of rage quitting? So rage quitting, yeah, see, the teenagers know what I'm talking about. Rage quitting is when you lose and get so aggravated, you get so upset that you just turn off your console with like no warning to anybody. So you could be playing with a bunch of people or a bunch of friends and doing your thing and then you just get so frustrated. Like you lose, you lose, you lose, you die, you die, you die and you just, no warning, just turn it off because you're about to, you're about to freak out, right? So you're going to rage quit. Now I'm really proud of myself. I have never once rage quit. Like, yeah, I know. Yay, right? Thank you so much. Like, we actually have, we have a group of guys. We, we actually have a, a, a clan tag, and it actually says Anchored Hope, so we can represent the church when we play and stuff, because we kind of consider it like a ministry and stuff. It's pretty cool. And so anyway, but we have a clan tag, and so we have some, several guys here at the church. We all play together, and we stream and everything else. And so they've actually said, they're like, if pastor ever rage quits, we have to call Kate, because if pastor rage quits, something's very, very wrong, and we need to be concerned. I've never rage quit. Now, my brother-in-law, on the other hand, he is notorious for it. He has actually broken five controllers just in his bare hands. Just, you know, I mean, those people from North Dakota, you got to look out. Uh, but he actually has, but I've never done it. But, you know, losing is not fun. Losing, losing does that to you. And I think we've all come into those seasons of life where we're just, we're losing, we're losing things, and, and, and we're, 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 we're alarmed by the loss, and sometimes we can get aggravated. And I mean, man, when you lose, when you lose a promotion, when you lose responsibility, when you lose, you know, favor with somebody, when you're just, things are breaking around you, I mean, it just gets you to that point where you just, you want to rage quit life, right? I mean, you do. You, you, you even have rooms now. Did you know they have rooms that are dedicated? They're called like break rooms or something. Yeah, you just can go in there and destroy things. I mean, that's interesting. Um, you know, but we, we literally, we have to create outlets to that because when you lose it life, I mean, it just may, it takes away your peace. It's a peace drainer. 
And you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about God's story in the scriptures. And you know, you know how one of the reasons why I know, I just know that the Bible wasn't made up. And that may sound new to you, but there are, there are a lot of people um, that, that feel like the Bible is fabricated. You know, it's just made up. It's just all a ruse that, you know, God's not real. Um, Jewish history is kind of made up, and, and Jesus wasn't real, and what Je- Jesus didn't die on the cross, and Jesus wasn't born for our sins. And they think it's all made up. The Bible's just a big fabricated thing. But here's the reason I know that that's not true, is if you read the Bible from start to finish, one thing that you notice is, and you may have never noticed this before, did you ever realize how much God loses? Like, God loses all the time. I mean, you think about creation, right? Creation, oh, good, everything's awesome. He loses, right? Adam and Eve mess it up. They lose. Uh, When it comes to to Noah, Noah, it starts off as a hero, becomes a villain by the end of the story. Abraham and his descendants, he loses with them, right? When it comes to building the kingdom of God and whenever Israel is at its best, what happens? They win for a little bit and then they lose. And time and time again, you see God lose battle after battle after battle. And not just God, but even his people. I mean, even God's people, they end up losing. They start out as as heroes and they end up being villains, People like Moses uh, didn't get to finish his job, didn't get to complete his mission, didn't get to get people where he, he thought he was going to get them to. Um, David, David starts out as this great king, greatest king that ever lived. What happens? Turns out to be a villain. King of Solomon, his son. Solomon, he, he, he begins as a hero of the story. God's favored one. And then what happens? He ends up being a villain. Samson. Hero, villain, Job, don't get me started, right? I mean, the whole Old Testament is just, it's a story of loss. And it's a story of God just stepping back and stepping back and stepping back. And I don't know about you, I mean, if I were going to fabricate a religion or fabricate a, a holy document, I would write a lot more winning in there. You know, I would be like, and God always wins. And if you follow God, you always win too. But that's just not what happens. There's so much truth, so much honesty, so much transparency there. I mean, so to me, I look at that and I'm like, there's no way that this is made up. Because, I mean, the promises of God are are, are honestly have to do with a lot of loss. Now, if you look at that story, if you just look at the Old Testament, there's, there's so much loss there. There's so much losing. And it got so bad. They were losing so much that it got to the point where they said, well, we just need to get to Jesus. Right? Like Jesus is the finale in the movie. Jesus is like the end where the hero comes and, and everything gets better and everything gets fixed. And so if we can just wait and get to Jesus, Jesus is where we start to win. But what's just crazy to me is when Jesus got here, the losing just got even worse. I mean, really, think about the Christmas story. I mean, we've done such a bad job in Christian culture of creating the Christmas story as this beautiful, nice, pretty thing where everything went, went, went well. And the thing is, is that we need a true, honest look to look at the story, the Christmas story, because it was actually terrible. It was terrifying. It was terrible. And there's so much loss in the story of Christmas. And so you even start from the very beginning, right? If you take the the account of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and what he says, he says, this is how Jesus came about. This is what it says. 
This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, now here's the thing. I just I want you to think about this for just a minute, okay? So, so God is, is looking down on the earth, and God has a plan, you know? And like Paul said, everything was supposed to be perfect timing and everything. And, and so he's, he, he has this plan for bringing Jesus, the Savior, into the world, right? And he has a plan to do it through a virgin. And so the angel's with, 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 with God, and he goes, all right, so, um, so who are you thinking? Who, who's going to be this virgin? And God goes, uh, you see Mary down there? That's who I'm going to use. Jesus is going to be, be born of her. That's going to be Jesus' mother. Okay, that's fantastic. So when are, you, when are you thinking about doing this? And God goes, huh, let's, uh, let's wait till she's engaged. And the angel's like, you sure you want to do that? I mean, uh, that's going to be a little messy. How about, you know what, how about we, we do it now? She's not engaged yet. We've got a few months on that timetable. Why don't we do it now when she's not engaged? And God's going, no, 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 no. Let's, let's do it at the most worst time that could ever happen, right? Let's, let's do that. And the angel's going like, well, what, maybe, maybe like we could do a little divine intervention and like, you know, make like a, a pretty girl, like Beth in town, go by Joseph, you know what I mean? And maybe Joseph and Beth can get together and we'll just keep Mary, you know, for the thing that you have. And God's going, no, 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 no. Definitely wait till they're engaged. Like that'll be perfect, right? The perfect timing. What are you talking about? Perfect timing. I mean, think about it for a minute, how much this affected their lives, it affected their life in a huge way. It affected their life so much. We have an account of what Joseph went through and what Joseph was thinking about this. Let's read this. Let's read Joseph's story. So this, this is what happened next. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I mean, so when Joseph heard about this and Joseph goes through this, it was a huge disruption to his life. So much so that he was like, well, I think I'm out. Right? Like, I think I'm just going to quietly step back out of this uh, arranged marriage thing that we have and just quietly get out of this. But he actually decides to, to not do that later because the angel comes to Joseph and he decides not to do that. But think about just this disruption that happened, right? Like, God could have chosen any time to, 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 to have Mary get pregnant with, with this baby Jesus. But he waits till this moment. And that moment, it stirs everything up. And this is, this is an important part, okay? Jesus was a potster before he was a savior, okay? He was. He was a potster before he was a savior because he completely disrupted their lives. Like, think about the conversation you would have to have with your parents. Dad, my fiance is pregnant, but don't worry. It wasn't me. It was God. Okay, son, do you think I'm stupid? You know what I mean? Like, don't tell me. I mean, nobody believed them. Nobody trusted them. And, I mean, back then, this is not like it was today. There was, that was such a disgrace. I mean, this, there, were, there were penalties. There were laws that were against this. And so, anyway, they have all of this drama in their lives. And then the drama doesn't end there. Then they have to travel um, to, to, to Bethlehem for this census. Herod the king had ordered a census. And so they have to travel. And then, in the middle of their travel to this senses that's when she goes into labor and again you're looking at that and the angel's going so like when do you think that this labor thing's gonna happen like when you like maybe when they're home and they're safe and they're surrounded by loved ones and God's going 
No, I think like in the middle of the road trip would be like a really good time to just go into labor. Because who doesn't like going into labor in the middle of a road trip, right? So they're traveling to this census, and everybody, everybody's traveling to this census. So they, Mary's like, uh, and here it comes, right? Here comes baby Jesus. And so they've got to find a place. Well, it's such a busy town because everybody's in town for the census. There's no hotel. There's no anywhere to go. So do you know where they go? They go, they go to a cave. Again, we've gotten this so wrong. Like your little pretty nativities, you know, where Jesus is there, and they're just a, there's a little crib made out of hay, and there's little animals going, Jesus, right? I mean, that's all made up, right? That's all made up. The truth is, is that Jesus was born in a cave. That's what that, that's what the, that was, and there were animals there. So think about this. Your wife goes into labor, and you're like, where can we go? A cave. I don't know if you've ever been in a cave before. It's cold. It's dark. It's scary. There's animals there. It's smelly. And so they go into this, and then let's not forget the fact. Let's not forget the fact. There were no nurses around, okay? I don't know if any of you have delivered a baby, but when my wife got an epidural, I passed out, all right? So think about Joseph for a minute. Joseph's up there, and it's like, who's going to deliver this baby? And Joseph is like, let me get my hands warm, all right? I mean, what do you do, right? So then Joseph has to deliver this baby. He has no clue what he's doing. He's never done this before. He's still got this thing going on where this is not even his kid. And so he delivers this baby in this cold, wet cave with these smelly animals all around him. And it's in the middle of the night, and it's terrifying. That just, think of, just picture that in your mind for a minute. There is nothing beautiful about the Christmas story. It's terrifying, and it's scary, but guess what? It doesn't end there, because if you know the Christmas story and what happens next, because the Magi were traveling and stopped and spoke to Herod and learned about the prophecy of Jesus, Herod gets threatened and scared, and so he decides to start killing babies, and so then all of a sudden, they're in trouble, and so all of a sudden, they have to run, and this is what the scriptures tell us. When they had gone and an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, he said, get up and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So, okay, your life has been severely disrupted. You had to have a baby in a cave. You are scared to death, but you got through that. And then the moment that happens, now all of a sudden, there's a killer on the run. And he's after you. And now all of a sudden, you've got to run for your life. And then all of a sudden, Jesus becomes a refugee. All of a sudden, they have to flee to Egypt, a country that they weren't from, a a country that they weren't accustomed to. And now all of a sudden, they have to live in a place, no family, no friends, support. And every single day, they have to look over their shoulder because Herod is about to kill Jesus. Does that sound pretty? Does that sound beautiful? Does that sound great? No, it's just loss after loss after loss after loss after loss. And so Jesus grows up there pretty much till about the age of seven or eight is what we believe. And then finally, Herod dies. And they go, woo, okay, well, seven years of stress. That was a little much, okay? But hey, everything's done. And then they thought they could go back. And it says, so he got up and took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt where they stayed until the death of Herod. But it got worse. Because then Herod died. But after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Get up, 
Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Good news, but guess what? Bad news. So he got up and he took the child and his mother, and they went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And then it says, so it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So it never, ever stopped. It never quit. It was just loss after loss after loss. It never, ever, ever got better. And they were constantly on the run, and they were constantly in fear. And you know what? It's like ever since they met God, it's like their life got worse. It's like ever since God got involved in their life, they lost peace. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like following Jesus took your peace more than gave you peace? Have you ever felt like that? Like, man, like you, you, used, to be, you used to be so good at arguing. You remember those days? Remember those days where somebody could cut you off in traffic and, oh, man, you could just fast and furious move them right back, right? Or if somebody had, like, a, a good zinger for you, oh, man, you, you used some colorful language, didn't you? And, I mean, you just had a, you had a good zinger back. And then you met Jesus, and you started to learn about loving other people and what love requires of you. And you learned that battling people, like, in social media and with zingers back, and when somebody cuts you off in traffic, that you, you got to be okay with it, and you got to let it go and all that. And then you're just like, oh, Jesus, you're taking my peace away. Because I've got so many good things I want to say back to my mother-in-law. But I can't because I'm a Christian now. So I have to hold them in, right? Remember those days, right? Or you remember how you used to be so good at taking care of yourself. Like you, you put yourself first all the time. You were so good at putting yourself first. You were the most selfish person ever. And it was so good because you were always taken care of. And then you met Jesus and you learned about the first shall be last and all this stuff and about serving people and helping people. And so you started to put yourself last and you started to give things away and you started to be generous and stuff and you used to be so good at taking care of yourself and now you just you feel like people are just running you over and you're like go ahead take it all just finish the job this time right and you're just people are just taking 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 and you're like how much am I supposed to give and where's the line of where I'm being taken advantage of and I'm doing what's right I have no clue what I'm gonna do or I mean just remember remember when you were just you were good at just being with doing what you wanted to do Doing, putting yourself first and doing what you wanted to do and just reacting instead of being wise. And man, those, those were the best times. But then you met Jesus. And you started to figure out what Jesus was asking of you, but it seems so counter to, to who you actually are and what you actually want to do. And you just feel like, oh, I just I feel like I'm losing. And when I'm losing what I want, when I'm losing what I want to do, when I'm losing what's natural to me, I just, it's taking my peace. It's taking my peace. Here's the thing. Why? Why does, why does God allow us to lose? Why does God allow us to lose? Because it seems like if you read the scriptures and you read the story of God and you read anybody who had ever encountered God, they end up losing. We even look at Jesus, Jesus and Mary and Joseph. They lost and lost and lost. And eventually, even the, the story of Jesus, the man was crucified. 
He lost at the end. He had, a, he had a great loss that he had to suffer in the end. You look at all of his disciples. Most of his disciples were killed. None of them got to you know, live a long life and have kids and get married during this. It's just loss after loss after loss. Paul was either killed or put in jail and then died in jail. We have no idea because we have no clue because he lost so much. And you, in your own life, you've experienced loss. And you feel like a loser. You feel like you're, we're losing our country. You feel like we're losing our values. We feel like we're losing our kids. We feel like we have more struggles and more problems than answers. Why does God allow us to lose? The baby gets it, right? <laughs> and the answer is what you do not want to hear. This is probably the hardest message of the entire series. And the reason is, is because it goes so counter to everything else that we've said so far. Because all we've talked about is Jesus wants to give us peace. Jesus wants to give us peace. The angel said it. Jesus is coming to bring peace. They even gave him the nickname, Prince of Peace. Everything that Jesus did, he said, peace be with you. Go in peace. Peacey, 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 peace. But there was something else that Jesus said, and it's something that we don't talk about very often. It's a scripture we do not like to preach about, and it's things we do not like to hear. And it's actually a scripture verse that many Christians misuse in order to hurt people. Do you want to know what it is? Okay. It's found in Matthew. And this is the words of Jesus. He says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to be, bring peace but a sword. Yeah, yeah, just let that just let's, let's, let's let that sink in. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. What? What did we get that wrong? And he even says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What? That's so counter to everything we've read so far, everything we've talked about. What in the world? And then he talks about pitting son against daughter and father and families and dividing families and all this stuff. And you're reading this and you're going, whoa, 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 what's this about? And then he ends with this in Matthew 10, 38. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Okay, dark Jesus, hold on just a minute, okay? What is that all about? You may know this. I, I have a compulsive uh, character to me. Um, when I find something I like... I grab all of it. Um, if you go in my office, I have collections of things. And there's one thing that you may not have known that I actually collect. Did you know I collect weapons? I know you're thinking that's very dangerous for a guy like you, Pastor. But yes, I collect weapons. I collect swords. I actually bought, brought one of my swords today. It's one of my favorites. Oh. No, I didn't make it, you weirdo. No. This is, you know what sword this is from? Yeah, Braveheart. This is the William Wallace sword. It's about as tall as I am, right? It's, uh, it's pretty big, right? It's a big sword. Now, let me explain something to you. What I'm about to say next, I did not actually need a sword in my hand. I just figured you would listen to me if I had a sword in my hand, all right? So, um, and it was really interesting, too, because as I carried it into church today, of all the times as I'm carrying a sword over my back like this, that is when a cop drove by. And I thought... I thought, this is it. This is how I'm going to die. They're going to be like, that guy's not a pastor. He doesn't look like one, and he's carrying a sword. And I thought this was going to be the end, but I made it inside the building. Thank goodness. But, you know, I've got this sword here. And he, Jesus says, I've not come to bring you peace. I've come, I've come to bring you a sword. 
And you know, a lot of Christians, they take that verse and they go, that's right, Jesus. You came to give me that sword because I'm going to take all those sinners and I'm going to start chopping them up, right? I mean, that's what we think. We're like, yeah, I'm going to come at you for Christ with this sword, right? But that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. See, here's the thing. There's a reason that God is okay with losing. God is so okay with losing because of this. Because a day when we lose is a good day for God to win. A day when we lose is a good day for God to win. See, here's what you know but you haven't ever thought about before. Is that when we lose, it's an opportunity for God to win. Because here's the thing. God is not here to win a country. God is not here to win the world. God is not here to win a senate. God is not here to win the law. God is here to win you. He is after you. He is not after a kingdom or an organization or any country. He is after you. And what he wants is a relationship with you. And the thing is, is that when you lose, when you have nothing else, you are actually open to what God wants to give you. And the thing is, and you know this, in your life, you fill your life with so many things to fill you up. You fill your life with so many things to make you feel good, to give you a purpose, to give you hope, to give you joy. And the thing is, is that those things of the world have never lasted. Those material things, those possessions, those things that you created or somebody else created, you have filled your life with those things to keep you running and to keep you full and to give you a plan and a purpose. And the thing is, is that God looks at those things and God goes, those things are never going to last. And here's what I'm worried about. The moment that those things disappear, you are going to be left on empty. And has that not been what we've experienced these last two years during this pandemic? Oh my goodness, a little bit of inconvenience and a little bit of fear and a little bit of uncertainty and a little bit of unknown. And oh my goodness, you can't order your drink at Starbucks the way you want it. And all of a sudden, everybody falls apart. All of a sudden, but somebody's like, what? I have to do this? No, life is terrible. End it now. And Jesus looks at that and is like, that's what I've always been trying to tell you. You fill your life with so many things that are not supposed to be the things of your life. And I'm trying to give you shalom, shalom. I'm trying to give you peace to the fullness. But I can't give that to you when your life is so full of empty things that don't matter. And so I kind of I look forward to those moments where you lose. I kind of look forward to those moments when you're on empty. Because it says in the psalm, the promise of God is this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, the thing is, is when you lose, God can get close to you. When you lose, when you're on empty, God can fill you up. Have you ever went and got an oil change before? You ever notice that when you get an, uh, an oil change, they don't just top you off, right? What do they do? They empty out all the old oil, right? They empty out all the old, and they fill you up with new. They fill you up with the new, full synthetic, high-quality stuff that they want to give you. And here's the thing, God is not just going to top you off. God is not going to just let you add a little bit of him and mix it with all the other old crud that you have in your life. God wants to see you emptied so he can fill you with what he's always wanted to fill you with. 
He wants to give you that shalom, that shalom, that perfect full peace. And he doesn't want to just give you one helping of it. He wants to give you a full helping of it. But the thing is, is before you can be filled, you have to be emptied. Before you can be given new life, you have to be dead. That's where Paul describes, he goes, I died. My old life is gone and my new life is here. And that's the thing. When Jesus said you have to pick up your cross and follow me in order to be a part of me, what do you mean, Jesus? I mean, I need you to destroy that old life and let it go so that I can give you something new. And he says, I've given you a sword. I've given you a sword so I can fight other people? No, 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 no. It's not to fight other people. It's not against other people. I've given you a sword because here's the thing. I am not going to come and cut things out of your life. I am giving you the tool to do it. I have not come to give you peace. If I gave you peace, that would look like inconvenience. That would be material possessions, and that's what the world offers to you. And that's not what I'm here to give you. I'm not here to give you comfort. I'm not here to give you that kind of peace. I've come to give you a sword so that you can cut out the things of your life that don't belong. I want you to cut out the things that you, that you hold on to for joy, that you hold on to for peace, that you hold on to for comfort. I'm coming to give you swords so you can operate on yourself. And I want you to cut the things out of your life that are holding you back from me. So here's the tool to do it. And when you do it and when you suffer that loss, I know it's not cool, I know it's not fun, I know it's not what everybody else is doing, but when you lose, you give me an opportunity to win in your life. Because when you are empty, I can fill you. When you are dead, I can bring you back to life and I can give you that shalom, shalom that you've been looking for. See, a day when we lose is a day that God can win. And see, I know that because it's in the Scripture. There, there's the most important, I think, verse of the Bible when it comes to the Christmas story. It is so skipped over. It is so missed. But it is one I love to talk about every single year. Because I just painted you this terrible picture of what Mary and Joseph went through. I mean, think about that. We've had two years of a little bit of discomfort. And we have just been like, oh, these last two years. I'm over it. It's terrible. Well, think about Mary and Joseph and the eight years that they spent trying to raise Jesus on the run as refugees without family or friends and, and trying to figure all this out. I mean, what, I mean, if you had to retell that story, if you were Mary and had to retell that story, you'd be like, oh, don't even get me started about Jesus when he was born. I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That was terrible. But you know what? Mary actually sat down with Luke, and she did firsthand recount this entire story of what they went through. And do you know what's so interesting? Luke records this, and it's so very important. He said that when Mary told this story... Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. When Mary retold the story of when Jesus was born, she didn't say, oh, those were the worst days. When she retold the story, she said, those were the best days. I remember those days. I remember how scary they were. I remember how much loss that we suffered. But I, I, I would do it ten times over. I treasure those days in my heart. I think about them often. And I think about them, I think about them well. See, those days to her, they were not bad memories. They were happy memories. Why? Because when she lost, God won. And when she lost, she felt closer to God than she had ever been. 
See, here's the thing. If you're going through loss right now, your loss, your loss is where God wants to win you. Your loss is where God wants to win you. So wherever it is you're going through right now, whatever it is that you're going through in life, and you feel like you're losing, you feel like, man, following Jesus is not giving me more peace. It is taking my peace away from me. It is making my life very inconvenient, and I feel like I'm losing. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm definitely losing my comfort. I'm definitely feeling losing my, my, what I'm comfortable with, and, and I just I don't know if following Jesus is worth it. Let me tell you something. You're in the sweet spot. You're in the sweet spot. You are right where God wants you to be. And the reason God decided to do what he did and when he did with Mary and Joseph is because he wanted Mary and Joseph in the sweet spot. Because he knew if they were in that sweet spot and all they had left to do was put their faith in God, that was when God could win with them. And in your life, whatever you're going through, that's where God wants to win with you. That struggle, that tension, it's not something to get over. It's not something that just hope will pass. It's something to live in and to lean in and to see what God wants to do in you and through you for someone else. Maybe it's for your next generation. Maybe it's for your kids. Maybe it's for your spouse. Maybe it's for somebody in this room. But God wants to do something in you and through you, not just for your sake, but for the sake of somebody else. He's not causing bad things to happen. Don't, don't, get, it, don't get it twisted. God doesn't make bad things happen, okay? What happened to Job wasn't God. That was Satan. But God allowed it to happen because God's okay with letting those things happen. Because God is not about you winning in life. He's about winning you. For what comes after this life. So God is not causing bad things to happen. And Jesus said, like, look, I'm not going to make bad things happen just so I can get your attention. I'm handing you the tool. And the choice is yours. The same as it was for Adam and Eve. The same as it was for David. The same as it was for Solomon and Samson and for Job. Here is a sword. I am not just going to fill you up with peace. It's not magic. It's practical. Here is your sword. What do you want me to do with this? I want you to cut out anything that is keeping you from me. And here's the thing. For every single one of you, that looks a little differently. You know, there was a rich man that came to Jesus, and he was so proud of himself. He said, Jesus, I've done everything. I've fulfilled the law. I'm such a good person. I'm following every single command. And Jesus said, that's fantastic. He goes, well, what else in the world do I have to do? And Jesus says, go sell all your possessions. And you can be my disciple. He actually offered him. We almost had 14 or 13 disciples, you know. I mean, this, was the, this guy had a, a golden ticket. And the scriptures say that he, he put his head down in sadness and walked away. You know why? He couldn't cut that out of his life. He had done everything great. And Jesus handed him a sword and said, cut this out of your life because this is the thing that's keeping you from me. And he couldn't do it. You know, for others of you, it may not be money, but it may be comfort. I mean, in that same even verse, Jesus says, I've given you a sword. I've come to divide families. You know why? Because sometimes family even becomes an idol and keeps us away from God. 
We talk so much about family first, which I think is a fantastic thing. But truly, family is not first. God is first. That's the truth. So for some of you, God says, here's your sword. What comes first, me or your family? What they want or what I want? I'm going to let you choose. Do you want peace? Do you want real peace? Do you want shalom, shalom? Here's your tool. You choose what you do with it. I don't know what it is for you. For every single one of us, it's probably a little different. But I had bet that if you prayed a prayer today, Father God, show me what is keeping me from fully experiencing you. Show me the cross that I am not willing to pick up and follow you with. Show me where it is I am not really willing to die. Show me where I am still being selfish. And God will reveal that to you in that prayer. And he'll go, so, here's your tool. What would you like to do with it? Would you like to hold on to what you're holding on to? That thing that's keeping you away from me? The thing that you want that I don't want for you? Or will you take my sword and will you find real peace? And will you cut that from your life? Will you be willing to suffer that loss so that I can win you? Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, Father God, we come to you today and we pray an honest prayer. Father, what what is it in my life that is keeping me from you? What is it in my life that is keeping me from following you, from being your disciple? What is it that I'm holding back from you that's keeping me from experience your glory? God, what is it that you want from my life, your plans and your purposes that I've been unwilling to let go of, the place where I've been unable to die to self, the things that I have not been willing to lose for the sake of being close to you? God, for some of us in this room, you've handed us the sword and we've thrown it down on the ground and said, "I'm, I'm not willing to lose that. I'm not willing to let that go. I'm not going to change that. I, I like that too much. I need that too much. God, you've put the sword back in our hand today. And we have a choice to make. If we're going to be willing to take this sword, pick up our cross and follow you, or if we're going to continue to hold on to what we've held on to. For others of us, God, we are suffering loss in life loss that we haven't asked for challenges that we haven't asked for things that are happening and we have no clue why they're happening health things job things financial things you name it but God you reminded us today that you are close to the brokenhearted. so God would we not see this as dread or something to get over but would we recognize this tension that we're in and God would we live in it and would we use it as an opportunity to fall in love with you 
God, this is a day that, if lived right, this will be a day that, like Mary, we treasure, a day we ponder on, a day when we we felt the closest to you. Because truth is, God, when everything is going well and when everything is at peace externally and internally, we don't really need you. And it's it's harder. It's harder to choose to pray. It's harder to choose to worship. It's harder to to call out on your name. And so God, really right now, we recognize the, the opportunity that we have in front of us. Would we not squander it? Would we not move on from it? Would we not get over it? Would we live in it? You've come to give us that real shalom, shalom. You've come to give us that real peace. God, would that be what we experience in our heart? Would we be, would we be willing to lay down what we want for what you want? Would we trust and have true faith that your ways are better than ours? Father God, give me the courage to take your sword and to do what is necessary. Not just for my sake, but for the sake of my family, for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my friends, for the sake of our world. Would you give me the courage to do that today? In your name we pray. Amen.